Hi, I'm Matt. I'm Mabel. And I'm Mitch. And you're listening to Sex Ed and Chill. Today, we're talking about Season 2, Episode 2 of Sex Education. And our topic for today is pleasure in sex education. Let's go. Let's do it. How good was this episode? I'm sorry. I think this is my favorite episode so far. I, I don't know why. I just, I got to the end and I was like, damn, that was a good episode. I, when I watched it, I didn't want to like have that drastic of an opinion, but now you've said it. Yeah. It's probably one of my favorites, like for sure. Yeah, I can't I even point at would... anything. Yeah. I think this is like, yeah, this episode kind of highlights how, like, I just think so highly of the show. Like mm. I just, this is when I think back on watching Sex Ed the first time, I just think like really good episodes like this. Yeah. Um, For like a, a brief recap, before we dive into our favorite bits and stuff, uh, I'll do some some character arcs. Uh, mm. The sex clinic arc was talk to your partner effectively. Um, Adam, which we got a bit of Adam this time, uh, yes. his was kind of like, it's okay to ask for help, um, but also sadly, like, he can never be happy, so he may as well self-sacrifice was kind of his arc for the episode. <laughs> yeah. um, Otis, like the sex clinic, was learning to ask and listen to his partner um, and also just generally embarrassed by his mother uh Maeve is still feeling out of place and she actually said she's still not over Otis which is kind of a big deal um Mm. and Jackson has realized that he needs more than swimming in his life uh, and he's kind of coming to terms with that so yeah lots of things happened yeah we've sort of got that like new new friend of Jackson's like yeah yeah, we haven't really I was gonna say what the show does really well and especially this episode as Matt like we listed all these these main characters we talked about but it's also like the side characters that get to shine is Mm. what really makes this show specifically this episode like really stand out in my opinion yeah like especially Miss Miss Sands and Mr Hendricks like (laughs) I think I think that everyone everyone's favorite side characters to a degree but now they were like somewhat of the main focus of this episode yeah the yeah, big I reveal think... that they are sleeping with each yeah. other yeah wouldn't have called it a small it... town no. <laughs> because it is a small <laughs> town and there's only two teachers at the whole school <laughs> but yeah i think it's so easy for shows to just like have main characters and secondary characters but this mm. show definitely kind of like keeps you guessing everybody it's in. like oh they were a secondary character but like now they're kind of a main character for this episode for yeah sure. favorite moments I really liked the 10 years time essay scene. I don't know why that stood out to me. As in when they were all reading them out? Yeah, when they were all reading it out. Like it Mm. wasn't like a big, like big moment or anything. But as we were just talking about more, it's like we're getting more insight into these side characters. It's fun. It's edited well. And like the way they zoomed in on Maeve and it's like building her anxiety that it's going to be her her Mm. turn soon. She's like, oh, fuck, fuck, fuck. I don't know. It was just fun and. It was a good scene, I thought. I yeah, know. I think it was also nice how it would have been really, like if they hadn't done something like that, like she's in like an, a higher aptitude scheme and it would have been easy for everyone there to just be like these unachievable, high approaching students, like very different mm. from Maeve, but by watching all of their essays, yeah, like they were just like normal kids, you know, mm. like they wow. all just had their like... Or everyone better Lily talking about her purple penis hands, but <laughs> that was a fun way to edit that. Well, yeah, they're all just a bunch of like young weirdos, you know, yeah. who, like, have yeah. all these dreams, but they're like, they're not any different from her or anyone really. Which yeah. Was nice. One thing I didn't like was like, it was good that Maeve went up to Miss Sands later and was like, I actually did write it. I was just too embarrassed to read it out. Mm. But then Miss Sands like read out part of it and was like, oh, this is a great essay. But honestly, listening to it, it was not no. good. It was like weirdly written. I don't, yeah, no, it was. Miss Sands did go back and I was like, you're a, you're a good writer. Like, go write, go back and write it in more detail for me. 
pretty sure she did say that. She said she, she said you're a beautiful writer. And I feel like we've heard other pieces of Maeve's writing that were really lovely. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that was not one of them. It was, yeah, kind of weird and awkward, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I also, like, I don't know. Like, it was a really... I guess we just saw snippets of everything, but none of these really sounded like essays. Mm. You know, like I thought I this was, was also like an thinking essay. Them. So I was like, based on what all the other students have done, she could totally just like go up and ad lib something about how like this is what I want to do in ten years. It was yeah. Like, if, like how much time were they supposed to spend on these essays? Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, not too much time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what about I think- you guys? I think my favorite scene was uh, Ruthie and Otis, the fingering the orange scene, mm. just because. Oh, <laughs> The look on Ruthie's face as it gets like more and more concerned as Otis is going through his clock technique. Oh my god, so funny! And then at one point he's like, and then I spread it, and he like lifted all his fingers out, and it was like, oh god! And everyone watching that had a vagina was just like, ah, cringe. No. Oh dear. Yeah. Although also like the whole time I was watching that, there was like two cringe factors. There was like the cringe of what he was doing to the orange and me being like, it's a library, you're getting sticky stuff oh my everywhere. God, everywhere. Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I honestly haven't really thought of it yet. Like there's a lot of strong episodes in this. I think I think okay, I I think, yeah, just like a scene that really stood out and I really liked was the whole, like, Adam arc in this episode. Like, we hadn't Mm. seen him and we weren't really sure we were going to see him again. So, like, Mm. when we kind of get to military school, it's like, oh, like, we get to see Adam at military school. Um, And just, like, I mean, I guess it's not really one scene. Maybe I should pick. Like, I really liked them on the tree, like, sitting on the tree, bonding Mm. over how they all have shitty dads. And I just really liked, because we saw, like, when... um, when Adam was like back at it's Moordale, right? Mm, yeah. Moordale. Um, he didn't. We, we always commented how he didn't really have anyone. Like he kind mm. of started out dating Amy, and then they broke up, and he didn't really have any friends, and he was just like a bully to everyone. So it was yeah. really nice to see him like bonding with people for a change at military school, and that was absolutely. Really nice. It mean, was like it was sorry. It was like a really like dead poet society scene. I thought yeah. that bonding. I don't know. <laughs> I just liked it. Yeah, it popped it- in my head. I feel like it made the last scene with him more tragic that they had bonded yeah. over that stuff. Oh, yeah. It was, because, uh, yeah, it, like, it had flipped the whole thing around because before, I feel like before we saw him away at military school and if we hadn't seen it, it's just like, well, we want Adam back. Like, bring Adam back. But after yeah. seeing it, it's just like, I was really sad. Like, I was like, I just wanted Adam to stay at military school yeah. after watching yeah. this whole arc. I was like, no, let him be there. And like, Because, you be- know, he know. he's being given the opportunity to grow. yeah. And he's getting friends, which he's never had before, by the looks of it. Like, yeah, it is a bit tragic. It's Um, really sad. And he, the last scene with him, and he's getting, he doesn't, he clearly doesn't want to go and get in the car with his dad. Yeah. He's like, uh, he, like, you know, he sells out his friends. I mean, they sold him out first, so totally valid. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, it's so clear that he desperately wants to stay, which is funny because he really didn't want to go. But he is acknowledging, I guess, that it is a better place for him to be. Mm. Um, and that's just heartbreaking, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Kind of leads me into my least favourite character, which was really hard to pick for this week because I just thought everyone was good. I don't know. I didn't have... Mm. I just... Mm. Not that they were my least favourite because it had really good moments, but those two guys that, that sold him out. Just for selling, yeah. Just for selling him out. Like, I really liked the moments they had earlier in the episode, but yeah. Because mm. Adam Very was my, cool. my favourite character this episode, but that, like, really not okay yeah. yeah sad yeah least favorite character i mean honestly it's kind of she hasn't done anything that bad but gene 
because she <laughs> is just like, like she does some good stuff in this episode. I don't want to say that she's totally mm. bad, but like Otis was like, please don't do anything embarrassing and then she starts singing at yeah, fucking but, assembly oh my like, god i don't think she does that in like on purpose she she's like she's she's practically otis she just gets like this panic inside of her and i know and at do. least one good thing about her this episode is that she acknowledges that she's never worked with teenagers and she doesn't know how yeah. to do it so i know where it's come from but it's still just like, don't sing. Come on, don't sing. Just- yeah, she really has like no idea how to how to just like interact with interact teenagers. with teenagers. No, she clearly yeah, doesn't. she can't be the best person for this job. It's clearly just a matter of proximity and access. Like, there's got to be someone. I think she's probably good from a like a curriculum development standpoint, but yeah. she's not good for the actual like talking to students thing. Got yeah, it. at least not on mass, right? Like maybe one on one, she would be better. But yeah, even then. I did like Raheem just walking out of that assembly being like, why is everyone laughing at this nice lady? I don't know. Yeah, understand. that was good. Yeah. 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 Raheem's a new favorite as well. She's mm. coming in and stole the show. Yeah. Oh, Eric, favorite. Eric mm. taking far too long to realize what was going oh, yeah. on, honestly. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I yeah. think he was just even... in denial. It's yeah. Just in denial. Even, yeah. Even after he was like, I think he's gay. And then still just like nothing. Nothing. Like, yeah. He literally bought your book. Yeah. People don't just buy people books. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, Raheem is being really weird about it. Oh, for sure. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not endorsing his <laughs> particular methodology. I, I'm just saying he is not being subtle about he's it. Just like staring at Eric from afar. It's like one of those scenes where, like, every time you cut to Raheem, he's like that much closer. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like staring. It's not like glancing sexually. It's like wide-eyed staring. Yeah. Weird, weird vibes. I don't, okay. Like. Again, I think we've established that like all the characters in this episode, like no one was really bad. So we're yeah. talking about least favorite characters, like they're not terrible. Mm. Yeah. Except, but um, I think I'm weirdly gonna go with like Miss Sands. Yeah. Just because I like, I really, I really didn't like how she treated. I don't even remember the other teacher's name. Mr. Mr. Hendricks. Mr. Hendricks. That's right. Yeah. Like I just, I didn't like how she treated Hendricks through that whole interaction. Mm. Like, especially, especially at the carnival, she kind of just like ghosted him like the whole time. Yeah, and just like in person, and just like yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't appreciate them as sense. Yeah, yeah similar way. I was gonna talk a little bit about Ola. She was like she, not that she was bad. I think they're kind of mm. setting up, setting her up in a way to kind of. She's doing a bit, a couple of things out of character. I feel like, like yeah, I felt she was inconsistent in yeah. this episode. Like just the whole arc, her and Otis. She. Mm-hmm they kind of like had to write her a certain way and then she like flipped back into being what we, I think we kind yeah. of knew Ola to be, which was generally pretty open and communicative. Exactly. And yeah. I think they, I think they're purposely obviously doing this to set up, like there's going to be drama between her and Otis. And this is like, not that she's going to be the bad guy, but she's going to come somewhat of an, not like an antagonistic because it's not like a normal show. But, yeah. but like Otis is the main character. So yeah. If yeah. they have conflict, then Ola is not the people we're meant to be siding with. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so they're, yeah they're writing her that way. Like, but her and Maeve have their own conflict, and they're trying to de- looking like they're dividing Otis. And Ola yeah. A bit. yeah. The the inconsistency with Ola did give us the beautiful scene in which uh, Lily tells Otis that he's bad at fingering. Yes. Yeah. Where <laughs> my friend. My friend's boyfriend is bad at fingering, and he's like, "Well, tell them about the oh. clock technique." And oh, like, God. it's you. You're bad at fingering. Yeah, 
In fact, now that you mention it, I think I'm going to give my favorite character to Lily. Like, I yeah. think she wasn't, she honestly wasn't in the episode a lot, but I mean, she was just flawless, you know, good friend yeah. to Ala, really straightforward to, um, to Otis. Like, I just love with Ala where she's like, was it weird that they ran the sex clinic last term? And Lily's like, yeah, yeah, it is. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I, I also really liked that it was a really wholesome scene between Maeve, Steve and Amy where they're like mm. filling out like their career like what they want yeah. to do and like Steve's like oh it's actually says banker not baker Amy. <laughs> and then Amy's just like nah baker I baker. Could, I could be a baker yeah it was then we see the like... next scene that she knew nothing about what baking involved <laughs> yeah also yeah. Steve is just such a golden ray of sunshine mm. in I every know. scene that he's in <laughs> Steve. speaking of Steve he was my fashion shout out for the week oh yeah yeah in the um in that 10 year time essay scene he's wearing like a like a navy blue like a one quarter sleeve shirt I don't know what's going on but it looks really good on him shows his biceps off and he's got like a little red red ribbon on his on his breast so amazing I really liked Very it good yeah I think I um oh no I do remember like there was an outfit Jean was wearing I think it was in the scene where she was like going to check the sex suggestion box and she was just wearing this like tucked floral shirt and great pants and I was like oh, I want to be as classy as Jean <laughs> you could be Mabel you could be you could be yeah I wanted to ask Mabel about a specific thing um so Jackson and Vivian who is Jackson's new tutor uh uh, having a study session at the fair uh, about hidden quadratics. And oh, yeah. I'd, I don't know about you, Mabel, but I found the explanation and then Jackson's sudden like, oh, it all makes sense <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah, like why had no one ever yeah. explained it to me that way? Like um, I just thought it was bad. Like it didn't yeah. make any sense. And it I also see- is not how you would teach something. It's just like, oh, you've just got to do this, this, and this. Done, yeah. full stop. Yeah. Like, surely that's the explanation he's already gotten time and time again, and he still <laughs> doesn't get it. I yeah. also am a little confused as what, like, is hidden quadratics like a UK thing? We don't teach hidden quadratics here. I don't know. I had to look up what they were. What are they? I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So that's the recap. Now we move into our, like, research segment. And today, uh, the idea for this research topic came from something that Raheem says during the, like, sex ed class scene in this episode. I mean, everything Raheem says in this scene is great, honestly. Like, he's Mm. clearly experienced some good sex education and is just like, what the hell is going on here in bloody England? Mm. Um, But at one point he says, uh, what about pleasure? People don't always have sex to make a baby. And in this, he's kind of bringing up a topic that has had a lot of discussion in discussions around like how to run good sex education. Cause for a long time, uh, sex education was predominantly mechanical. So it was like penis goes into vagina ejaculation equals baby. And that was basically it. Oh, and also pregnancy is really bad. And also you're going to get all of these STIs. That was basically sex education for a long time. Uh, and, and you then, will die from them. <laughs> and you will die from them. And here are some really horrifying photos to make you feel bad about yourself. Yeah. So that you uh, probably also won't recognize these STIs when you have them because they'll look nothing like the photos we've shown you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we wonder why we have all sorts of hangups related to sex. Yeah. Um, but in 2003, so the earliest thing, I found in relation to like US and Australian and UK sex education, uh, a woman named Michelle Fine wrote uh, a chapter for a book 
about the missing discourse of desire in sex education. And she was focused on specifically for women in that there was no discussion of female pleasure. And that is something that still gets neglected to a certain extent. Um, Because as a society, we like to talk about male pleasure all the time. And then female pleasure is kind of a secondary thing. Uh, I mean, there are still people who and kind of a shameful Mm. thing, and there are still people who don't believe that the female orgasm exists, which is hilarious because it's like a cell phone, really, because they've just never seen one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, so she was talking about this missing discourse about how you know uh, sex, especially in the context of women, was talked about as a thing that could be traumatic or that is morally wrong or all of these other things but nothing to do with it being a pleasurable activity that people like this is not to say that in other parts of the world it wasn't better Mm. so that uh that came out in 2003 and she talked about how in sweden uh their guidelines recommends teaching students to acquire a knowledge which will equip them to experience sexual life as a source of happiness and joy in fellowship with other people so clearly in some parts of europe things were already okay and much better um but not so much over here uh from that it seems that that paper was a bit of a bombshell for the sex and sexuality education you know industry um and it is actually part of a lot of curriculums now so there are two Hmm. main standards in the u.s for teaching sex ed and both of them uh are quite broad and they cover all sorts of uh, subjects like uh, relationships and pleasure and all the things that go around sex, not just the pure mechanical or disease-based instruction. Uh, I did find papers talking about the fact that, however, despite that being in the curriculum, the vast majority of sex ed is still very much focused on risk reduction. So condoms and STIs, basically. Yeah. Closer to home in Victoria, where we are, uh, there is a set of resources provided by the Victorian Department of Education called Catching Up, which I don't know why they called it that. It doesn't strike me as a particularly good name, but (laughs) Catching Up is there, like there's a suite of materials that go from grade seven all the way up to grade 10. Um, And it does talk about pleasure as well in quite a lot of detail. There's like all sorts of activities about identifying things that are pleasurable and, and, and stuff like that. So it's there in the material. I am curious to hear if that is the experience of people who have done sex ed in Victoria, whether that sort of stuff has actually been covered. Mitch, you went through sex ed a little more recently than we mm. did. Do you remember there being a discourse around the pleasurable side of sex? Um, I feel like it was more in my specific teachers that I had. I don't know if it was, it could have been part of the curriculum, but I feel like these teachers were more of like the cool and easygoing teachers that actually understood what students were thinking and talking about. Mm. So I personally feel like that was more in relation to that than necessarily the curriculum. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, Um, I mean, so like like they've got this sex education curriculum as like a resource, but it's not a prescriptive curriculum at the moment, right? I don't believe so. No, it didn't didn't seem like that. And I think that's the main challenge. And that's why like, because I mean, we're in it, like teachers are all stressed out with just trying to like implement, you know, the the prescribed curriculum that I feel Mm. like a lot of the problem with sex education is it's like it's not a timetable subject a lot of the time. Mm. And I think when they do do it, teachers aren't necessarily like prepping for it or like going to find the resources available and they're just doing their like off the cuff sex education, which I think is where we get the kind of grandfathered 
bad form a lot of the time because they're like yeah. I'll just repeat what I got because I don't have time to plan this class <laughs> yeah absolutely um, which is a shame because from what I could like my brief look at the resources they seem pretty good honestly yeah like I know that like I know especially in Victoria they've like been doing a lot to create a lot of resources like I know in terms of like like safe schools and consensual relationships and like unhealthy yeah. porn relationships like there's heaps and heaps of stuff um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious whether there's like any data and like the uptake of those and where mm. they're actually being implemented. Nothing that I could see. Mm. And that kind of leads to something else interesting that I found is that um, like when policymakers and education departments are looking to measure the effectiveness of their sex education mm. curriculum, the vast majority of the tools they use for evaluating its effectiveness is purely based on public health outcomes. So they're looking at unwanted pregnancy rates they're looking at STI rates and and things like that which you know is one part of the evaluation of a sex education curriculum but it completely ignores you know people's attitudes and healthy relationships and understanding of consent and all these other good things that should come out of a good sex education curriculum mm. that um yeah that are that are kind of being ignored and also uh there's research suggesting that talking about things besides basic condom use, STIs and pregnancy also have a public, a, a positive impact on public health measures as well. So these evaluative tools could also show uh, more increases if they taught, if they teach the broader sex education curriculum, because people who have a, a broader understanding of sex and its context tend to be better around practicing safer sex and having consent discussions and all these sorts of things. Mm. So by limiting it to just talking about condoms and STIs and pregnancy, they're kind of getting a worse outcome anyway by their own metrics that they're using. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'd be much more interested in some evaluations around just like qualitative surveys with students. You know, it's like, mm. did you have sex the first time? Cause you felt pressured. Like, did you, yeah. do you feel comfortable talking to your partners about things? Like, was was your last sexual experience a positive one you know mm. like yeah and i feel like we see in the episode this episode we just watched how mr hendrix is not a good sex educator like he doesn't know how to answer the questions he doesn't have the content knowledge and he also doesn't know how to pitch his answers whereas mm -hmm. like despite gene's issues in this episode in that particular scene she's actually very good right she's yeah. good at allaying fear she's good at like like getting rid of shame she is meeting them where they're at and answering the question properly and openly and honestly. Um, mm. And it's a shame that not everybody gets access to that. Yeah. And just the, yeah, giving the additional part of the answer required. Cause there was like mm. the one question that was like, my boyfriend doesn't want to wear a condom or something. Should I let him? And Mr. Hendricks was like, no. And then just like moved on yeah. um, without actually kind of talking to the question at all. Yeah. Cause his, his response was basically like, well, you don't want to get pregnant. And Jean's response was, uh, you have a right as a person to say no whenever you want, which is the kind of consent and relationship side of that discussion yeah. that, yeah. yeah, is just ignored a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, another paper I read, so like I said, this this kind of discussion from 2003 around pleasure in sex ed kind of, you know, set off a bomb in the sexuality education space. And so it is making its way, as we see, like the Victorian resources have discussions of pleasure. So it is filtering its way down into sex education curriculums. Uh, but I found a paper that was quite interesting. It was talking about where pleasure is discussed and how that impacts the kind of overall message around pleasure. And so there are places where pleasure is taught, but it's almost always taught in the context of STIs. 
and the public health side of sex again comes back. And so it's discussed in the context of safe practice and it's given kind of a negative bent in that like the pleasure is almost bad by doing things that are pleasurable, like having sex without a condom, you're more at risk of getting STIs. Right. Right. So they, they're like, they're even finding a way of teaching pleasure in relation to sex and sex education in a way that makes it a negative especially in the context of women I feel like that's tied up to like all sorts of kind of like religious teachings where it's all like you know the devil makes all the bad things look extra appealing like if it like Mm. don't give in to desire don't give in to like anything because that's like the work of the devil yeah so you know we've still got a long way to go it's nice to know that we're not at the start of that journey where like Mm. we've we've actually made some steps in the right direction but it needs some work still yeah given how like important so much of this is like I love that we're creating resources and talking about it but like given how much it's still an issue like in everyone's lives and adult lives and like going like just like their entire lives this Mm. is just like a vital thing I would love to see it like prescribed and timetabled into education Yeah. yeah Like, and not like, oh, let's fit this into, I don't know, whatever gap we've got. Yeah. And like, there is so much that could be taught. Like, it's not like, oh, but we'll run out of things. Exactly. It wouldn't be hard to have like an ongoing class about this for basically the entire schooling education. Absolutely. And even if it meant that you went over topics again, that's a yeah. good thing. Like well, you're people get older and they change and they can like understand things differently than when they were yeah. younger and it gets into a different context. Yeah, you can add more uh, like, you know, topics that are a bit more serious and stuff like that. It's, yeah, I think it's very valuable and we should be doing more of it. Yeah, I will yeah. say um, we up until, I think it was year seven up and through year, two, year nine, we definitely had like a scheduled health class. That's awesome. Like, like that twice awesome. a week. But I definitely agree because that was more of like, the risks and like mm. the more scientific side of it as you were mm. saying obviously as i said we had a very good teacher so there yeah. was like that good dialogue that we're talking about that's required but i definitely think like the later years they need to have like those more serious com- and more open conversations yeah and i mean i think the older students get the more relevant it all becomes like yeah, when yeah. you're teaching like you know year five or year seven class about sexuality it's like it's good for them to know because it's going to be coming up in the future mm. or may be coming up for a few of them. But like, it's not like a central part of their lives in the way that it is for a horny 16 year old. Like, yeah. but yeah, so that's like a quick look at like the, the ways that pleasure is part or not part of the curriculums yeah. around the world. I guess um, that's generally kind of positive, but it seems like at least in like the Oz UK US space, like it's moving hmm. in the right direction, maybe. And it seems know, that it's, like- it's been already in that place for decades in like sweden <laughs> so yeah. still move to sweden, sweden. Yeah. <laughs> cool right, yeah. awesome that's a little Thanks, bit of research yeah. now we're going to talk about rewrite right. what scene are we doing Mabel? i don't know like did you have any ones you wanted to i feel like there were a few things that i wanted to rewrite yeah i mean like we already talked about how like ola had been kind of inconsistent and i talked about like i think mainly all the ones i wanted to rewrite were probably around miss sands mm-hmm. yeah i think at the end it was a little ridiculous that they had to orgasm at the same time which is just typical of all film and tv that men and women yeah. always orgasm in synchronicity we never yeah. talked about that on the podcast have we like that is a massive misconception that like, yeah. i feel like yeah. Yeah, in terms of like the models that young people have growing up it's just like oh you know like mm. people just make out and then somehow the penis is inside of them without them using their hands or anything and then they all <laughs> orgasm at the same time like what? yeah mm. 
I think literally once in my entire life has that happened. And I mean, it was great. Don't get me oh, wrong. Oh, yeah, yeah, Like, yeah, it's yeah. a fantastic moment yeah. when it happens. But it, like, literally every other time Definitely it hasn't happened every like time. that. Definitely, Definitely not. Definitely not every time. But um, I think more so, I think we want to rewrite Miss um, Sand's poor communication mm. around the whole dirty talk thing. I think that could have yeah. gone a lot better. Well, yeah, like, especially like, so the first time we see it, they're like mid-coitus and she's like... She does not look like she's having a good time. Well, yeah, she's just kind of laying there and not looking very enthusiastic. I think yeah. I, I think she's like in her own head. She's, not that she uh, was, she would have been enjoying sure. it to start with, but then like, yeah. I know we've all been there. Like once you get in your own head, like why isn't this happening? Yeah. yeah. And I guess that's why she was kind of desperate to try and be like, okay, let me try and switch it up so that I'm into this. Yeah. Um, but she just kind of springs it on him. And I feel like unless you're good at dirty talk, because it's definitely a skill, like just out of the blue being asked to dirty talk is almost inevitably going to end in awkwardness. And like, like she doesn't even ask explicitly. Like he's in the middle of like having sex with it and she's just lying there being like, have I been bad? That's like, right. Yeah. She's like, he's like, what? no, you're, you're very, very clean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, have I and been also, bad? It's like, I just no. feel like. She has this assumption that he'll be all right with talking dirty. Oh, it's exactly. like not everybody is into it. It's something you should talk about beforehand. Yeah. Uh, because I mean, I, she at the end she's like, "Call me a dirty bitch," because which is good. She's like, I, "I'm literally telling yeah, she's you." She's like, what "I'll give I you the words." Hear. Yeah. yeah. And he's clearly very uncomfortable with that. He's <laughs> also a lovely female dog. <laughs> yeah. Which, uh, yeah, look, not great. Yeah, I mean the whole the whole scene just like encompasses how they have terror. Like I don't even know how they got to the point of having sex because they clearly haven't talked about anything. Like the fact that he's so honestly like vigorously having penetrative sex with her while she's lying there looking like she doesn't enjoy it is honestly like a bit of an issue. Like mm. he should have stopped and asked her what she wanted a lot sooner. Yeah. And again, just like totally inconsistent. You know, at the end, she's like, just call me a dirty bitch. As though she just needs to hear those words. But then at the end of the arc, she's like, the words don't matter. I just oh need you God. to say things sexily to me. Yeah. So like, Spatula. doesn't make sense at all. Um, I, yeah, and I think, I think, for, I just think for anyone watching that like is into dirty talk, I don't think this dirty talk arc was relatable. Mm. I don't know. No, That's no, my no. assumption, given that honestly, I'm not especially into dirty talk. So I can't speak for others. I'd be curious for anyone to like, tell us what they thought about that scene but it just yeah. didn't from my experience of like hearing people talk about their dirty talk desires this didn't really seem to be that yeah absolutely yeah. I think it just goes with like the main theme that we always come back to is just like a massive lack of communication is like what we would change in these scenes I know it's always like you know, beating a dead horse. That's just, <laughs> that kind of solves a lot of everyone's problems. Just it really does. But yeah, no, instead of how I like, would rewrite it, I would love for her, like, it could start the same way. You know, she's lying mm. there, he's having sex, she looks really bored. I would love her to be like, hold up, stop, this isn't yeah, working. Let's, let's stop for a minute. Stop having sex mm. and her to be like, this is what I need. And still be like pretty assertive and maybe not like super like gentle or caring about, but she could be like, this is what I want. This is what I need to do. And he, he can still be like scared and be like, I don't know. I don't mm. know. And I'd be like, this is what I want. Yeah. Um, he and could then I maybe think... still get like scared and run off and go weirdly ask his student for sex. Advice, oh my God. Like, oh yeah. Inappropriate. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Just let's just brush past that. And then maybe come back, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it would be great if if in that moment he is looking like, oh, I don't I don't get it. 
yeah her to explain as she does yeah. at the end of the episode like I just don't feel sexy I need to feel sexy and I think dirty talk is a yeah. way that will make me feel like a sexual being again after being yeah. treated like you know just this yeah mute, frumpy teacher frumpy teacher yeah said. yeah I would have liked that to be like yeah more spoken about in the scene like I mm. think because that's really common for like I think why women like degrading dirty talk in the bedroom because like we're often like powerhouses in the workplace you know when mm. we're like always just on top of things and in control and it's nice to just like mm. you know be a little submissive in the bedroom and like have someone talk down to us if we want yeah. um and I would have liked that to just I don't know, be more explicitly talked about yeah. as, her, as her rationale and, and drive. Absolutely. If, I feel like if I was her, if she wanted him to start engaging in that conversation, which she does do this a little bit, mm. she needs to not, she needs to like participate in that, that mm. talking to start with. She, I think she needs to start it more than what she did in that opening scene. I don't know what you would say exactly, but mm. like, if you want, you need to engage, like you can't be a passenger. Like, mm. yeah. I feel like, which was pretty much starfishing, as we were saying. Yeah. Like, if you want someone to, like, do things with you, you've got to, like, engage yeah. a little bit in that to start with. Yeah. Because I think I think de- de- depicting dirty talk can be, like, a really delicate thing to do. Because, like, if, if guys, like, and this, this happens. Like, I feel like I've definitely been on Tinder date hookups where it just happens. Like, if guys just think that dirty talk is sexy and then calling women, like, bitches and like calling them dirty in the bedroom is like a sexy thing inherently Mm. and it's not about someone's particular desire that gets Mm. really bad like you can't just go around calling people slurs in the bedroom when they don't want you to yeah and and then I think there's also like a delicate way to communicate to like women that they're allowed to want that and that you're not like necessarily degrade like it's not literally degrading yourself you have like consented to this Mm, sexual Um, yeah. participation mm-hmm. so I think that's a really key thing for people to be aware of when they're watching scenes about dirt, like when, when we're explaining dirty talk to people yeah and like I feel like there's a concern and it's kind of we kind of see it in this scene that like by having that conversation ahead of time it's gonna like ruin it it's like not gonna be as fun it's gonna be too clinical or whatever but clearly that's not the case with these guys because they talk about it and then she still has a good time especially even though he's saying things like spatula and baba ganoush yeah 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 that that aside (laughs) um it's like honestly it's great having a consent conversation about things like that because you can be really open. And it's like, I really want you to call me a dirty whore because it turns me on like yeah. nothing else. And, and then, then you're going to get what you want. And you're going to get what you want and everybody's going to know where they are. You and feel safe. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, you can like enjoy it without worrying that it is like leading to something bad. Yeah, exactly. That they might take it too far. You know, yeah. it's like the same thing with any sort of like violence in the bedroom. Like you can like want to get hit, but like if you're not really talking about boundaries and like mm. what what the hard limit is, it's like things can get out of hand. But yeah, yeah I get that the whole like spatula, kitchen items, baba ganoush orgasm thing was like very funny. I would have liked more just like him finally getting into it and then just like making mistakes, like going off script and then saying really weird things and then getting back on track. Like, I, I mean, that could have been well, kind of do in that. the second scene yeah. yeah 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 true i actually wrote one of them down because it made me laugh so much what was it it was like uh i'm gonna, I'm gonna get you so wet you'll think your water just broke oh, yeah. <laughs> 
she's we just like that. um no we can keep that oh my god i love that yeah uh, so funny. <laughs> look he was trying i feel like she was he a was. little too critical of him like writing stuff down like maybe that's yeah. what he needs I, like as soon yeah. as she saw he had notes in his hand she was like this isn't working you need to leave and then they yeah. sort of breaks up with him which i just think blah that's yeah. terrible yeah, that's just give terrible. him better things to write down because yeah. she was kind of into it at the start and then then he went off script and then she yeah. got turned off by his notes but it's like if you just gave him good notes that would have been flawless you flawless. know yeah so anyway. as is all, almost always the case with these sorts of discussions the answer is to communicate more <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> awesome well with that out of the way uh, I think it's time for our trivia segment. Oh, we're going to talk a little bit about movies and pop culture yep. in general to start with. Mitch's media. Oh, Mitch's media. Me- Is that what we're calling this segment? I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, we just call we... it mmm for sure. Mm. <laughs> oh, I like it. So, as we know, episode two takes this excitement and drama to the bright and electric local fair. Here we go. Yeah. Who doesn't love a fair in a movie? It looks like a really good fair. It does. But here we get to see Ola versus Maeve in the shootout for supremacy. Oh, yeah. Lily and Miss Sands dig into, dig into some sweet lollies and candy, as well as we get to see the intimate ride on the Ferris wheel with Eric and Raheem. So this week in Movie Talk, I'll be your, I'll be your ringleader in, <laughs> in a quick discussion of movie carnivals and circuses before we go in and rank our ideal carnivals that we've seen and found in our, some of our favourite movies. So... What what does everyone like in a good carnival in real life or a fair or a, or a circus? I'm a sucker for a carousel. I feel like I was deprived as a child. Really? And now I'm always like, like I feel like I went on a holiday with my friends and it was mm. just them on the side watching me go on a carousel because I really needed to do it. <laughs> and there's all these pictures of me just being alone on a, on a carousel. <laughs> oh my God. But loving life. <laughs> I feel like for me... I always like never had enough money to do a lot of stuff. So it was often just walking around and doing like one ride. So I feel like I would love to go to a fair and have a bunch of money to spend Mm. on the rides. Mm. I mean, they're often quite expensive, uh, but I also was never allowed to do the shooting games and I watching Ola and, uh, may have do that i was like man i wish i could give that a go i also feel i like i don't know if they're a thing in other countries but show bags were always something i enjoyed well yeah for anyone that's like in melbourne we've got the melbourne show yeah i've never been i never went i I lived in brisbane for six years and i never went to the ecker either like it's a great way to go yeah it's a great way to catch flu honestly i went to school (laughs) in the city melbourne so literally like every year it was all Mm. just like when are we going to the show? And you every year, and there's always like the Birdie Beetle bag, and that's how I got all my Avengers comics. Do you love like, the Birdie Beetle bag? Oh my god, the Birdie Beetle bag really? is great. I got yeah, a high five is... show bag, and I got a really cool like shoulder strap bag, and then someone threw up on it on a school bus. Shame. I think what we're getting is that everyone, pretty much everyone, loves a carnival or a fair, and it's just like I don't think we ever really think about it, but in movies, like it's kind of like the perfect setting for like many different like genres mm. and stuff. Like we've seen like there's rides and games as we were saying, like, well, not really action scenes, but like a bit of fun. Mm. And you can have people mixing and meeting in a place that don't usually interact. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm right now thinking of uh, season two of Euphoria. There's some stuff, or is it even seen season one? Euphoria has some really like intense and full on scenes at a a carnival. And I feel like 
the atmosphere of a carnival kind of lends itself to that because it's like a super intense place, bright mm-hmm. lights, fireworks, loud noises. Hopped up on sugar. Oh, yeah. So much sugar. Very <laughs> fast. Yeah. So it's like such a, like an exciting place. There's like so much going on, but it's also like some dark and mysterious corners or fun houses where like a couple of spooks and scares can happen in a, in a spooky movie. Mm-hmm. There's also, as we were saying, like really nice scenery and beautiful lights for some romantic moments. Mm. 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 But now we will go and rank five movie circuses slash fairs from five different movies and we'll put them in order of least favourite to not least favourite. Okay. Okay, so I'm going to send it real quick. So yeah. our first one here is Toy Story 4. Yeah. I This is, well, not to spoil anything, but I think this is my ideal fair slash carnival. A bunch it looks of- very good. Uh, living yeah. toys secretly running around the carousel well yeah i don't know if it's like would like the characters and that exist there because if they did i don't think one of the ones later we're definitely not going to go to <laughs> but our second one is the greatest, greatest showman, showman. yeah um, uh next one is greece oh sorry no that's wrong sorry that's oz the great and the powerful oh yeah i haven't yeah. actually seen this movie but <laughs> And then we got that's an Australian one. Oh, that's right. from it. Yeah. Oh. Looks like yeah. Luna Park. Yeah, it, it does look like Luna Park. And then we have Greece. Yeah, mm. Mm. classic. For the enjoyment of this podcast, let's say that the characters in these movies exist when we go there. Ooh. So okay. which one would be least and most like to go through? Let's start at least. I mean. By all accounts, P.T. Barnum was, like, not a good guy. So I feel like the Greatest Showman one should probably go last. Really? For, like, an yeah. ethics, ethics From an ethics point of view? <laughs> I mean, now, well, yeah, like, now I'm just going with that as well. <laughs> but, I mean, Pennywise isn't really a great guy either. Uh, that's true. I haven't seen it, so I don't have any emotional connection to oh, that. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes, I guess with a murderous clown, we should probably put that one last. and then. Yeah, oh. given that we're saying, like, the characters exist when we go there, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I am stepping into a horror movie. Look how, look how fun it looks like. Yeah. Yeah, that's where I would go to die. <laughs> yeah, not right. enough to be my last experience on Earth. Okay. okay. And then we'll go Greatest Showman at four. Yeah. From an ethical the- standpoint. Uh, yeah. Great and Powerful Oz. I mean, just because black and white, it looks less fun. Than... Yeah, it's hard. Because, like, would we be there in black and white? Yeah, that'd be cool. I'm going <laughs> to say yes. That can go at three. Yeah. And so then... then... I, I mean, like I would, Greece I would one. put Grace and Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's just I a feel... standard fair. Yeah. But wouldn't you want to see school. John Travolta dancing and singing? Not particularly. I think the most exciting <laughs> thing would be the fact that the car flies off into the sky yeah. at the yeah. end. So yeah. that's a bit wild. The Toy Story one looks like it's right next to the beach too. Which yeah, is there's the sunset. Oh See, oh, I feel cool. like on the Ferris wheel at the Toy Story one, you'll get oh, an epic view. Like, right. That would be brilliant. Yeah, I think this is the ideal movie fair. Can we? I all... think I would just like spend the, my whole. Oh, and there's a carousel like right oh, there. Perfect for Mabel. And Matt, there's probably shooting games in there as well for you. Probably. Oh. Probably. I would just sit on the Ferris wheel like all day. Mm. All right. That. So yeah. Toy Story four number one. Number one. Yeah. Well done. That was amazing. Well done, everyone. (laughs) Jumping into this week's trivia, we'll stick with our theme. So this episode, we see the showdown of Ola versus Maeve, which maintained the standoff awkward relationship the two have fallen into. We knew Ola won and won herself a goldfish, which she eventually handed off to Otis. But if Maeve had won, what giant animal would she have given Amy? I remember her saying this, but I can't remember which. 
Um, Play along at home. I'm just going to guess. So the jog yeah. everyone's memory, Maeve and Amy are walking along. She's like, oh, Amy's like, oh, let's go over in here. And I want to win a giant blank. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's going to be something more random than this, but I don't know. Okay, I've got one. Me too. All Ready? right, Matt. Yep. I said bunny rabbit. Bunny monkey. Oh, no one gets the points. Was it, was was a, it giant, a turtle? No. Nope. Yeah. Giant pig. Giant pig. That's such an Amy animal. Come on. It is. She would love a pig. She yeah. Would. All right. Next question. Week in and week out. I feel like I've already talked about this, but we hear an interpretation of a well-known pop song in the show. This week, it was Jean's embarrassing take on Let's Talk About Sex by Salt and Pepper. There's an existing cover of this song called Let's Talk About Blank, which was made to spread awareness during an international crisis. Fill in the blank. Oh, my God. I feel like Matt has a better chance of knowing this than me. Uh, yeah, totally. 100%. Very I will confident. say this song would also make sense in this song, uh, in this show. Like, it's very, it's very relevant if, if it was in the show. Wait, so do we just have to guess what the blank is? Yeah, so finish. Let's talk about blank. Like you can write out the song with the last word. Okay. So it's an international health crisis? Yeah. Well, I didn't say health crisis because I don't know if that okay. would narrow it down, but it was a health crisis. Okay. All right, ready? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of lame. I said, let's talk about masks. <laughs> let's talk about crabs. <laughs> I also of- thought of let's talk about meth because it kind oh, of yeah. fits syllabically. I would think like, let's talk about checks. Like... Sexual health checks. I like that idea. Oh, it, it rhymes. It was, but... let's talk about AIDS. Oh, I should have <laughs> guessed that. I mean, I don't know if we need to sing about that. Yeah. I feel but... like that's a little too. It was to spread awareness during the uh, HIV AIDS crisis, like back in the late yeah. 80s, 90s. I guess it, at the time it was a, a good idea. Like, yeah. people were avoiding it. So I mm. guess telling people to talk about it was probably a good thing to do. Mm. Yeah. All right. Last cool. Question. Zero for zero. We're doing so well, man. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> All right. As the episode comes to, to an end and reaches its climax, we finally see Miss Sands and Mr. Hendricks finally reach a climax of their own. Emotions rise as words are whispered and exchanged in a dirty, dirty way. Write down as many words as you can that you believe were exchanged between the two. Okay. We've already mentioned two of them this episode, but there's two other words that they, they say. Wait, so some of them are phrases? Well, the, okay, when I say words, it's like two words put together. Yeah, 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 okay. But other than that, like, they're like... Like babagunush. Yeah. Babagunush and spatula. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the examples okay. we've had. Have you got four already, Matt? I do. I'm not confident in my two <laughs> other ones, but we'll um, see. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's see. Spatula. I'm going to read Mabel's spatula. What does that say? Aubergine. <laughs> Yogurt. And Baba Ganoush. Okay, Matt, what's that? Bab- spatula, Baba Ganoush, Lodbox, Rolling Pin. Uh, well, we, no. we, we, I feel like we Rolling know... Pin sounds kind of sexy. I feel like Rolling, rolling Pin would be pin. a good Rolling Pin. So, Spatula, Baba Ganoush, yes. Okay. We have Pepper Grinder. Oh, yeah. Pepper Grinder, that was good. And Milk Frother. Oh, God. <laughs> so, two points each. A tie. That's yes. fun. Up, speaking and of they were the up, answers that we already had. Yeah. <laughs> and an updated total score, it's still a tie at 6-6. Six, 6-6. Six. Six, six. 
We're gonna have to take this to the shooting range. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna have to yeah. get to a carnival. Yeah. yeah. If, if we're tired, tired at the end of the season, we'll have to do an in-person decider. Go to a yeah. park. Yeah. I like fill that. up the um the, the clown heads. Oh almost. yeah. Well yeah, that, that was a good episode. That was so. a great episode. Mm. Uh, so next episode, season two, episode three of Sex Education, watch it. Um, and let us know if we missed your favorite part. Let us know if you did better at us at the trivia, which I don't <laughs> think would be particularly hard. <laughs> let us know if you are actually into dirty talk and have some opinions about it that we did not mm. accurately reflect. Yeah. I'll and let look- us know if pleasure was talked about in the sex education you did get. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. All righty. Well, we'll see you next time. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.